Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Greg Magershack, who is the founder of Cubix, Q-B-I-X. He'll be talking about how you can create your own social media platform using his software. First up in tech news, if you are a Fortnite player, you might be familiar with what a black hole is, and you might have felt like you're in a black hole because Fortnite actually had an outage time with the close of their last season. I don't play Fortnite, but if you suddenly had more time with your loved ones, it's because it was offline for two days. A lot of speculation of whether it was planned or not planned. It turns out it was just a real outage, and now the next season started. If you're in California, there was a bill passed, AB5, that was meant to make things equal for the gig economy, so Uber drivers and Lyft drivers. Always the law of unintended consequences, uh, without getting into too much details about the law. If you are a writer or publisher of digital articles for a media company, you're now severely limited. You're limited to 35 pieces of work articles per year, and so... They say that the majority of writers don't write that much, but if you write many, many articles, you now have the same concerns that an Uber or Lyft driver does. Facebook officially launched the Libra Association this past Monday, and what that means is Libra is Facebook's consortium with originally 27 companies or organizations that wanted to create their own cryptocurrency. Uh, Lots of discussion in Congress, lots of questioning. Zuckerberg has agreed that he will testify next Um, to Congress about what Libra and the cryptocurrency is. Uh, This also got a lot of recent news because the key members who originally announced they're participating dropped out. So PayPal, Stripe, MasterCard, Visa. But who's still in it? Companies like Uber, Lyft, and Spotify, and the European telecommunications company Vodafone. This is not the end of cryptocurrency by any means. The Chinese are also working with HSBC to develop their own. And then the final story this week, more about WeWork, how they may go bankrupt any day, and how SoftBank, their lead investor, is trying to figure out new financing, along with J.P. Morgan. And it was also disclosed that J.P. Morgan has already lost $80 million of value from their investment in WeWork. And that's the tech news of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I have Greg Magershack, who's the founder and CEO of Cubix, Q-B-I-X. Welcome, Greg. Hey, nice to be on the show. Hey, Greg, I'm really interested in your project, Cubix, and I wanted to make it very clear that Cubix is social media on a blockchain, correct? Yeah, it's open source software that anyone can run their own social network, either themselves or with the host of their choice. Great. And I want to say it up front that you're going to have to wait till the end of the show today to find out how you can start your own social media platform with your own open source software using Greg's Cubix platform. So, Greg, let's start off with your background. How did you get into the space? Oh, man. Uh, I remember when Facebook released their platform something around 2008. Uh, I became a senior developer at a lot of these uh, digital agencies building social apps, you know, they were called social, 
um, Facebook apps. And it was just, I saw firsthand how the sausage is made. A lot of the times the digital agency would buy a bunch of likes. Uh, a brand would have, you know, end of year quotas. They want to do some campaign. And I would end up being brought in to build these apps. None of that really helped people to be social. To me, social always meant, you know, going out, seeing friends, getting dinner, maybe taking a class together, mm-hmm. tennis, you know, anything like that, uh, even taking a trip. And so we started basically uh, saying, we can do better. What if we actually built a social network that was actually helping people to be social? <laughs> and that's how everything started. Hey, I want to go back to what you said earlier because you might have burst some people's bubbles. What did you mean by people had to buy likes? <laughs> um, well, the way it would work, and again, I'm not naming any names. I think this is pretty, pretty normal in the industry, was you go in. Uh, I was brought in as a senior uh, web developer, and Facebook's on the web at that time, right? right. Uh, so basically, you end up building a Facebook framework, and I would have already a lot of code that I would use for that. By the time I got in there, they already had closed the brand. They already had the concept. They already had all the designs. I would be built, building the thing. And then at the end, once the thing is built, you need momentum. You need actually people to go in and, and do something. So they would either buy a bunch of advertising and people go ahead and, 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 and click and click like and whatever. Uh, but sometimes they would go directly and just buy a bunch of likes to start it off. So when you would you know, get in there, there would already be uh, 20,000 likes and then you would be the 20,000 and first likes. So mm-hmm. it would help, help the momentum. Right. And so with that, there's a lot of question about the validity of uh, the site or the web page or the Facebook page that people liked and people coming onto the site would find it as an inauthentic experience. Yeah, not just inauthentic, but maybe also not useful to them. Think about it. Social media was supposed to be about connecting with friends. Uh, There's a lot of studies now in the last 10 years about how the more you're on social media, the less social, the more lonely people are. Mm-hmm. And it's correlated with loneliness. And in fact, in China, it's even, um, I think, uh, you know, put in the, not a, their version of DSM-5, or essentially, it's a, something that you can diagnose. Uh, loneliness is a chronic, uh, you can look at it epidemiologically. So there has to be something that actually connects people in the real world. One of those companies was meetup.com out of New York. Yep. And... Uh, what gave me the idea initially is I, you know, interviewed to work at Meetup, <laughs> and I met Scott Heiferman, the CEO. And essentially, they were focused on creating large meetups with many people, and the organizer would pay. Uh, we thought, why don't we make a smaller version when people just get together with, for dinner with their friends and meet people with similar interests in their community? Yeah, you bring up an excellent point, and I, I forget the actual recent article, but it reinforces what you said, which is that social media was intended to bring people closer together. And I know that uh, platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram have become more of a maintaining your profile, maintaining your persona site viewed that way. And so I can see where the disconnect happens where people are now actively trying to manage uh, their public persona. And that's what they're saying, right? Facebook, you're only really showing the best parts of you. You're not showing the, the back to authenticity. You're not showing the real you. Exactly. The persona versus the actual person thing is one of, I think, at least three things that we really focused on in the beginning. So the persona versus the real life 
online, you're chatting about typically political discussions. You're showing your political views these days. You know, a few years ago, it was cat videos and other things like that. <laughs> it's all online, right? Yep. What you really want in your real life is, hey, I want to see which of my friends are interested in learning Spanish with me. Which of my friends would be a tennis partner? Or, hey, I'd like to go out tonight. Which of, who's actually like, doing something? And you want to know this ahead of time. So that's the first thing. And then there were two other ones. Another thing is that online, a lot of the interactions don't lead anywhere. It's just, hey, somebody replied to your comment. You, know, you probably saw that one a lot. That's the most viral one. Someone replied, so you're very curious. What did they meant? Or they mentioned you in a comment. Okay, so you go and then you reply to them. And then they get, and it goes back and forth. But it never resolves it. So we wanted to have interactions that lead to a goal. In other words, let's say it's your friend's birthday. You want to pitch in and buy them a gift together. Or let's say you want to take a trip together somewhere. So you find it helps you to get those people together and then take the trip. Uh, whether it's taking a trip or going to the restaurant or anything, it has to end up in a goal. And what's nice about that is that the business model actually involves real money being spent at the restaurant or on the trip or, you know, the gym uh, instructor. The instructor gets a group discount for teaching a few people at the same time. Hey, Greg, hold on to that thought because we'll get into it into the next segment. It's really interesting. So once again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. I have Greg Magershek, who is the founder and CEO of Cubix, which is transforming social media and network connections uh, through the blockchain. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svin.biz. We'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svin.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 888 that's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Once again, I'm joined with Greg Megershek, who is the founder and CEO of Cubix. Cubix is a open source platform to develop your own social media and network connections. Welcome, Greg. Hey, uh, great to be here. So, Greg, earlier in the first segment, and this is what leads up to the question, we were talking a lot about how what social media was supposed to be and what it's become and some of the societal impact of that. I wanted to keep going. Where do you see as current trends in social media the social impact that will continue to happen unless things change? Well, we could take this situation more broadly the power of the internet to affect uh, society at large, right? It's not just in a local community's individual behavior, but it's almost had sort of a effect over time on, on society. So everything from the Cambridge Analytica scandal, for example, Facebook, right? Where they take your privacy, uh, your data, you have to trust them with your data. Uh, and you just hope they do the right thing. Sometimes it doesn't align with what you think they should do. And many governments are not happy uh, with what they do. And that's sort of one of the issues is trust. The other issue is where, how they influence the behavior of society at large. So, you know, in the 2016 election, people talked about the trolling uh, and the fake news that was being spread. I mean, actual fake news, like, you know, the Pope endorses Donald Trump, let's say, is, a, is not, a, well, not a real thing. <laughs> so, and, and so what happens is, on a broader societal scale, you look at what we have today, we have people outraged 
commenting every other day and arguing on Facebook about what? Some political thing or some uh, outrage. Yep. And there's a good reason for this as well. Um, the main reason is because the Internet disrupted journalism as well. So journalists had to turn to more you know, provocative clickbaity articles on the one hand, and they also had to join uh, an outlet that catered to a specific audience. Uh, CNN discovered this when they had the Malaysian airline. They just covered that whole thing for months on end, and they saw that the ratings went up. So on the one hand, we have journalists putting out co- content that they need people to lock in and buy a subscription to that type of content, whichever side of the political aisle. And the other one is social networks need more clicks, more eyeballs. So they wind up showing you, their algorithms show you the same kind of things you've already agreed with, and the outrage is the thing that drives the most engagement with comments. So what do you get in the end? A bunch of biased articles that people reshare and get outraged about and then yell at one another. And now they think their neighbor is a completely bad person, even though 10 years ago they were a completely fine person. It's not them. It's the Internet um, effect of society at large, basically. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for the answer. Yeah, that's a phenomenon that I've seen a lot. And to the, to your point that uh, suddenly, because of the amplification of social media, people that are your friends or your neighbors, because of a position they take, whether it's political, religious, or any other aspect, suddenly uh, it makes them either a good person or a bad person off of uh, one comment or like. It's, it's pretty preposterous. <laughs> Yeah, and you've seen it happen more and more, but it's not an accident. It's because of the business models that journalism and social media has been uh, forced into, which is ad-supported social media. They take your information, they monetize it with ads, right? And then on the other hand, they have to show you stuff to keep you coming and always being engaged, always being enraged. And so that's what's become the norm. And one other thing, the notifications, uh, you know, people are so addicted now. Every five seconds, there's something going off on your phone. They've trained you like a Pavlov's dog almost to click on those things. I mean, I'd like to see a society where people use these tools to actually get together with other people and spend one minute online and spend the other 59 minutes actually playing basketball or doing <laughs> something. And that's, I want to see it as a tool, not as a destination for people. I really like how into the psychological effects and sociological effects um, that you're talking about. I there's a dope there is studies that there is a dopamine reaction to those notifications and clicks, whether it's a game or whether it's social media. You get that hit or that high when you see people reacting to your posts. Exactly. So it's par for the course. People think it's normal now to run around with your phone in your hands in your pocket, always ready to be whipped out whenever it vibrates. And then they find out someone replied to your comment. It sounds familiar. Then you got to like go ahead and reply back. And then you compose that thing. And before you know it, you're late for your meeting or whatever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so how does Cubix in your platform, how do you envision it transforming this experience to be uh, more engaging and more real than trying to fight for clicks and that dopamine yeah. effect? <laughs> Well, my goodness. So first of all, like I said, the three principles, the first principle is focus on being a tool for real life and get out of the way. The same way that Google gets out of the way. You search, you get off of it in one second, and you go ahead and interact with whatever site you wanted to find. We want to be a Google for your social life. Get on there, 
see what your friends are doing, say, I want to do this or I want to join that. And it takes care of everything, including group rides. You can pick each other up in the car. We have a version of Uber almost that you could just, you know, have the maps and it tells you to get out of the house. You get group discounts at local businesses. So that's one. The second is it has to lead to a goal. It can't, the, the apps that we build on our platform always lead to a goal. Others can maybe build same kind of apps as Facebook, but our apps are things like, hey, let's pitch in for a friend's gift. Hey, let's make plans to actually go out at this time. And we help plans to come together and actually result in money being spent at local businesses. So we help the local economy. And then finally, we want to make sure that we're very careful about notifications. We want to give people the ability to choose what is it that they want to hear about. We don't choose for them. We're not here to monetize with ads because ads are simply, hey, maybe you'll click on this. Maybe you'll buy something. No, there's intent already when you need to go out and, and have dinner with your friends. Why not simply get a group, a larger table? The restaurant's happy to give us a cut of that, and uh, they spend less time on each, on each group. Uh, and the same is true for movie theaters, which are empty on Tuesday nights. They would love to fill those seats and sell concession money. There's tons of money to be made on a local level. You don't have to look for online ads necessarily as the way to monetize. Well, that's interesting. We're, we are so trained now. Even the entire ad industry has transformed to be uh, online-based. Basically, yeah. The, the industry is, is in a race to the bottom in some way hmm. because, you know, whether it's Google or Facebook, they're turning to, you know, more and more aggressive ways to sort of monetize uh, with ads. And I think what's sustainable, what people actually are doing all day long is they can spend money in their local Main Street economy. So, you know, uh, essentially one way to do that is to make sure that you actually go out and leave your house uh, <laughs> instead of ordering Amazon. And, uh, you know, nothing wrong with Amazon, but when your food delivery comes to your house, you have one and second interactions with people. That's not necessarily a great thing. No, I, li I like how you're repeating how people need to get out and actually have real engagement. There are so many studies because you'd brought up the Chinese in the first segment and, um, and a lot of, I know because I'm Chinese American, but a lot of Asian cultures, they have measurable disengagement where people, especially millennials and zennials are choosing not to engage purposely. Like they're, they're basically living in caves and I'm sure that's happening in the United States too. And that's just because of the disconnect and being able to have these interactions um, virtually instead of in based in reality. Oh, yeah. You made me remember in Japan, they have a, a group of people called Hikomori. Right. They're basically shut-ins, and there's about half a million at least, who just never leave their apartment, basically. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, yeah, if you Google it, it's, it's, for me, it's quite frightening that that's what our future looks like. So let's do this because um, we still haven't even gotten into that Cubix is built on a blockchain and all the normal questions that come up with being on a blockchain, do you have to convert to cryptocurrency? How do you have wallets? And how do you get engaged? I want to go into that in our next segment and do a deep dive because I think people were really interested in how to keep that engagement going. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. I've got Greg Magershack, who is the founder and CEO of Cubix, uh, a new social media 
platform built on open source. You have any questions or comments, email us at info at svin.biz and we'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 888 828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Once again, on today's show, I have Greg Magershack, who's the founder of Cubix. Cubix is software that lets you create your own social media platform. <laughs> On this week's CyberTip, I want to talk about a hacking group called Silent Librarian, rumored to be operating out of the Middle East. So the last couple of years, I've warned you during Christmas to be wary of retailers sending you emails, and I've warned you during tax season to be careful about tax professionals and banks sending you emails because they could look just like they came from an official source, but it's really a phishing attack. And once you click on it, it's malware, or you get to their website and you put in stuff that you shouldn't put in, and they now have your personal information. Well, Silent Librarian targets folks during university registration season. So as you're returning back to college university or you're a parent and you're paying bills, very official looking emails from these places, institutions, and you unwittingly click on it and you put in your personal information and then they have everything. So as always, cyber tip is to be vigilant, just like there's seasonality with the things we do in everyday life, there's seasonality also in these attacks. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I have Greg Magershack, who's the founder and CEO of Cubix. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for uh, having me on. Hey, Greg. So in the earlier parts of the show, we were talking about Cubix. We were talking about how social media is an inflection point and that a lot of the reasons why people originally got on the platforms like Facebook, are now disillusioned, and the Cambridge Analytica scandal. So, you know, if you've been listening, you're now interested. I like what Greg is saying. I really want to know how I can develop these tools for myself. How would they get started? So, on cubix.com, over the next uh, few weeks, we're actually putting up a whole new site. You'll be able to go and essentially um, configure the kind of app you want. If you're a developer you'll be able to get the Cubix platform and learn the platform. And if you are someone who's not a developer, you can go ahead and hire either us or someone else who is a developer. So our model is very similar to WordPress. WordPress powers now over one-third of the web, mm-hmm. I think 34%. So, and they're growing. I think they just recently, a few days ago, got a $3 billion valuation. Um, and uh, Salesforce uh, invested in them. So what we do is we basically um, build your app for you. If you want, you can contact, you could just email me, greg at cubix.com. It's qbix.com. And uh, just tell me, like, hey, I have a community or I have a conference that I'm organizing or whatever. And I want to connect my members. And why would you want to do that? I mean, first of all, you build a a growing snowball of um, uh, sort of interactions, which you yourself don't have to... um, uh, create sort of like an alumni network. A lot of these uh, colleges, they have these alumni networks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get that email usually or they email you. That's the state of the art in 2019, just emailing people. And you probably just like forget about 
that email, even though you liked the school, but it's just a little bit, you know, they're asking something from you. So instead, if that Harvard Alumni Association could have its own Harvard Alumni app, people would be on there. And they would be making their own business uh, deals, their own networking, their own getting together for, you know, whatever in their own local area. You could be meeting Harvard alumni in other areas. So if you want an app like that for your community, essentially we build those apps for our clients. So at this point, that's the best way to get in touch. Well, it's great information on how to get a hold of you. I think, as we said um, a couple times, Cubix is open source, but it's built on top of a blockchain platform. I think many people still think of blockchain as de facto straight to cryptocurrency or something they don't understand or something too complicated for them to understand. So having the ability to go to you directly and inquire about how to build an app on this platform uh, makes it a lot simpler than having to understand all the pieces that are required to um, start adopting blockchain in its pure form. Absolutely. So Cubix does actually is starting to put out a token uh, that lives on a blockchain. This token is very important because uh, it will allow us to monetize the whole uh, ecosystem. So whereas with WordPress, it's completely free. If you're someone in Romania, you hire a developer in Romania, you set up your blog, mm-hmm. that's it. You just kind of pay each other and that's it. Uh, with uh, Cubix and Cubucks, for the first time, you'll be able to have micropayments. And if you want to have a chat room or you want to have something, you don't have to pay a developer. That developer's already put the component on our marketplace. You go ahead, you get that component, you put your chat room on your site, all of a sudden, you've got a chat room, you can have video conferencing or whatever, and the micropayments happen automatically. And it's global, so you don't have to worry about wiring the money every week or anything like that. And that's basically, Qbucks is a way to pay for both software, like chat rooms, as well as content, and it can actually help both open source developers as well as journalists finally monetize the content without having to use ads and stuff like that. You know, I, I find it's often very difficult for people to wrap their heads around the way the economy could shift. So I wanted you to go a little deeper into what you just said, which is you know, developers and journalists can now monetize their apps in ways different than just getting a simple payment from um, vendor and customer, right? Because I don't think people are generally used to that. And how do they get accustomed to that to begin with? Well, I think what money is, is being reimagined and digitized, right? A lot of countries are going to have their own digital tokens soon. Mm -hmm. And so people are going to start using these payment systems, which in some part they already do. It's just in the United States, they use credit cards. And in China, they use like WeChat, right? Which Mm -hmm. is still centralized. What we'd like to see is a free market. Right now on the web, we have basically feudalism. Okay, you choose your landlord, be it Google, Facebook, Dropbox or whatever. Like if I said to you, let's collaborate on a document. Say we were in college, right? And they say, okay, let's, let's collaborate on a document together. You know, what would you use? You'd probably use something like Google, right? Or Dropbox, mm-hmm. right? There's no software that you can just use from like your neighboring thing. Oh, okay. So basically, um, uh, you can't really use the software. Uh, so what you'd like to do is have a free market of software something that you can actually monetize. And so people would be able to pay each other. But in order for that to happen, you need some platform to unify everybody. Otherwise, we're going to have essentially a balkanized uh, feudalist system, and it's going to get worse and worse. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to step up and unify. 
Yeah, it's a, it's extremely good point because that's what people are accustomed to, whether they realize it or not. That's the system they live in today. So, in essence, you're talking about a revolution in being able to monetize these apps. What's the spark? I mean, you're you're one person in a company. What's the spark that will make this concept take off? I think. I mean, we've reached about seven million people around the planet already. Uh, we've been around for quite a while. What we've been doing is we're building software for people to connect with one another. Uh, we have community leaders, about 45,000 communities at least. Uh, so what we do is essentially we start out by building software for our clients. Uh, we, we go ahead and we turn to the 45,000 community leaders in different languages, 15 different languages for now, and we build software for them. But what we're trying to do is almost give away our business model to everybody. Mm -hmm. If you're a developer, if you're an entrepreneur, you could find so many use cases, right, for um, this reusable software. Uh, so you don't have to build the same thing over and over again. Because a lot of times you build like user password system. Oh, I forgot my password. You got to build that. Then there's access control. There's like all these different things. Most organizations build the same thing over and over. There's admins. There's, uh, you know, Real time, it has to be on every device. It has to send you notifications. We've taken care of all of it. So rather than building it from scratch, you turn to us and we build it. But what we want to do is instead of just us building it, instead of us paying the developers, we want it to be a decentralized ecosystem. And so we're releasing the QBucks uh, token uh, essentially for people to pay one another. Just uh, uh, start off by asking me a question now. Hey, Greg, I have a question. So are you also making this like an app marketplace so that you were talking about how you don't have to rebuild the app over and over again? So let's say that I actually build an app for a client and they don't take ownership or if that's even a concept in your platform, can I then resell that app to somebody else through the marketplace? Yeah, you can sell it. You can build it. Um, a lot of the times, let's say we build a, an app for a company. Like let's say a business has a bunch of customers. They would They have a email list of their customers that bought from them in the past or hotel guests that stayed there. And then what they'd like to do is build an app to unite those people mm -hmm. into a community. So rather than having to pay Google constantly for in, new members and new, you know, constantly try to acquire new customers, they can use their existing customer base and motivate them with different rewards and things like that. Uh, and so that's the kind of stuff we build and then they bring new customers. But what we're doing is we're decentralizing our own business model and our software, giving it away. Um, through QBucks, we're actually going to be able to have people pay one another in a free market. So, for example, developers can release an app, hosting companies can install that app, and then regular communities that don't, aren't technical simply pay the hosting company, and then the hosting company pays a developer. So all that happens with the QBucks uh, application. Okay. Well, Greg, um, we're out of time in this segment. Uh, it was really interesting talking about your marketplace, your open source software platform. And I want to talk about in the pivot in the last segment on how people can engage and actually start to monetize on their own. Because I think that's the really interesting part. As people are thinking about new business models and new ways of doing things, um, it still gets to be uh, it's it's all brand new, and so I encourage people to actually download the podcast so they can play it over again to understand that we are at an inflection point in society and with the economics of society. So thanks again for being here. Absolutely.
you have any questions or comments about today's show, email us at info at svn.biz. We'll be right back with Greg, and he'll talk about use cases to monetize these applications for yourself. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, we've had Greg Magershack, who is the founder and CEO of Cubix. And we've been talking about, in today's show, how Cubix is really transforming not just social media, but the way that we create apps and the way that we can de- develop our own ecosystems for truly engaged communities. Welcome back, Greg. Thanks for being here. Hey, Greg. So one thing I thought was really interesting throughout today's show, and I think it even for myself it's hard to get, wrap my head around, is how is it that you can take your platform, create these kind of what I'll call parallel universes, and then monetize that for your, your own communities? So the beautiful thing is we've done all the work up front. It took us over half a million dollars to build this kind of platform. And now if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a developer, you should certainly you know, reach out to me, uh, greg at cubix.com. Uh, basically, uh, in the next few weeks to two months, we're going to be training people at how to use the platform. And whatever idea you have, whatever software you want to build, chances are you want to uh, make it, uh, productize it so that others can then use it in their own website, in their own apps, right? It's a B2B kind of thing. And so with our platform, uh, you'll be able to simply go ahead and build your business. You get paid in Q-Bucks. So this whole system is sort of, uh, is like that. Also, if you're a content, if you pr- create digital content like this podcast or you do anything else and you want to monetize that with micropayments, you want to make it available. So the marketplace allows people to, get software like a chat room or like video conferencing or group rides or whatever and also helps you to get content like an article where you might not have to have a paywall anymore because you can just earn q bucks and then cash them out on an exchange uh so that's the sort of the vision that we have uh going forward oh great so in terms of the training you're talking about over the next few weeks and months are you gonna, is that a web-based training is that something where they're going to come to your website and sign up for now, it's completely private. So if, you know, if we take you, uh, you basically would fill out an application. You'd let us know what your background is, what your idea is. And if we want to actually take you on as the first one of the first developers, we'll train you how to use the platform. And then you can get started not just making apps for others. You could also, uh, you know, we have a lot of paying customers that, that need apps to be done. But we don't like to duplicate work. So every time we build a new component, like let's say a you know photo uh, wall or something like that, or, or real-time video conferencing, which we have, uh, we repurpose it and reuse it. So whoever winds up building that thing can go ahead and monetize it through the uh, ecosystem. Okay. And then earlier in the show, you were talking about how a lot of this was driven by the way that people had been using platforms like Facebook and how it really wasn't driving the right behaviors. What are the behavioral aspects of using your tools and your team? 
Well, you look at all the incentives. Uh, you're a community. You want to benefit your members. Your interest is to get your members to communicate with one another. Let's say you're a Harvard alumni or you're a cruise ship or a business mm-hmm. where, you know, you want to connect people that have gone through your program. So you go ahead and do that. You're happy. The local businesses then go ahead. They get multiple people in the door at real time, you know, like a real time group on where you might get like group discounts and local businesses that they're happy. And all that money is coming in. We can actually, uh, the, the software that's being built is monetized correctly. We just need um, a micropayment system to make it work. There was a product called Xanadu, I think, in 60s or 70s that was described <laughs> but never built. That's what the web was supposed to be, the web with micropayments. And that's what we're building. And if we can monetize content for journalism and everything else, you're going to start seeing more than just clickbait articles and people arguing. You're going to start seeing content that could be collaboratively edited. And your news can actually include clips from local people on the ground. You know, if there's an atrocity happening, instead of having spin from one group or the other, we can all figure out what's happening and make sense of it. And the micropayments can actually be used to monetize that result and embed it in so many different sites. Those are just some examples of how we can reshape the web to serve the users and the actual people using it and not the giant corporations that shape how, what we do and how we think. That sounds really exciting. And I think with just the last minute we have today, can you reassure people how easy it is to engage with you, how they get engaged with you, and how they can get started? Absolutely. So we're going to make it easier and easier, and we're going to put up tutorials, and you know, all that takes time. So for now, if you want to be part of the private training, you just email greg at cubex.com. If you're a developer uh, and you want to participate in getting monetized for your software, you can contact us. We use PHP and JavaScript on the back end. If uh, you're a content provider and you want to, you know, if you have any kind of digital content and you'd like to put it on the marketplace, you should contact us as well. So I just want to spell Cubix because there's no U. It's just the Greg at QBIX.com. Well, Greg, thanks a lot for being here again today. I thought it was really useful. Uh, I think because we covered so much ground, I really encourage everyone to re-download the podcast once it's released at svin.biz, our website, and you can still get more information on how to reach Greg. Again, Greg at QBIX.com. You can always find me on Facebook, Keith Koo, LinkedIn, Keith Koo, and on Twitter, SVI underscore Keith. Thanks again for listening to Silicon Valley Insider. If you want to listen to any of our past shows, please feel free to download it at svin.biz, and we'll see you next week. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svin.biz for more information. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 